Hello and welcome to Abemus Papam, episode 196, Clement VI. Dear brothers and sisters, Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Abemus Papam. So today's Pope was born Pierre Roger to a family of minor nobles in Maumont in central France. He was born around the year 1290. At a very early age, he entered the Benedictines. He was probably 10 at the time, and that happened to many second and th- third sons during this period. His abbot recognized, however, how gifted he was intellectually, and he sent him when he was around 16 to study at the University of Paris, where he spent over a decade both as a student and a teacher. And he was renowned for his theological knowledge and his speaking ability, and he's one of the first theologians that we would call specifically a Thomist. He spent a lot of time studying the works of St. Thomas Aquinas, which at the time wasn't the normal course of study. As a theologian, he was given his degree directly from John XXII as a special mark of distinction and favor. Now, he found particular favor with the King of France, Philip IV. And I think it might be time just to check back in with the French kings while we're at this point, just to give a sense of kind of what's going on in the broader European context and what's going to dominate our story for the next a couple episodes. So King Philip IV succeeded his first cousin, Charles IV, who didn't have any male children. But at the same time he was succeeding to the throne, the English king, Edward III, claimed the throne of France. Now he was actually more closely related to Charles IV. He was his nephew, but it was through a female line. And the resulting conflict became what we know to history as the Hundred Years' War. And I bring this up because not only is the papacy situated in France, which is one of the two combatants during the Hundred Years' War, but also because a lot of papal diplomacy is going to be occupied with trying to bring peace between England and France over the next century. But that war won't start until 1337, and right now we're still in 1328. And in 1328, through his closeness to the royal family, Pierre was made first the Bishop of Arras, then in 1329 the Archbishop of Sens, and then in December of 1330 the Archbishop of Rouen, one of the most important positions in the French church. He served in various positions as well in the government of King Philip, and he helped in several French diplomatic missions to that regard. In Avignon, he frequently served as the representative of the king to the papal court, and all that attention eventually led to his being named the cardinal priest of Saints Nereus and Achilles in December of 1338 by Pope Benedict XII. When Pope Benedict XII died, King Philip sent his son to Avignon to make sure that the Cardinal Roger was elected pope, but he got there too late. The conclave began on May 3rd, 1342, And the cardinals, who were by this time almost entirely French, unanimously elected Cardinal Roger anyway. They saw in the cardinal uh, the beginning of a different temperament from the rigid and reforming Benedict XII. And the new pope, whose name would be Clement VI, would hopefully live up to that name and be clement and generous and laid back. And when the news got out, thousands of people flocked to Avignon to try and secure favors from the pope. He lived a more splendid papacy than the austere Benedict XII, with more pomp and circumstance, which led to a much more wasteful use of the resources of the papacy and a debt for the papacy which would take years to recover. He likewise reversed Benedict's policies against nepotism, and he appointed six relatives, including his brother and his nephew, to be cardinals. Likewise, he made the process of electing the pope easier, allowing cardinals in the conclave to have curtains around their beds and a servant to help take care of them and a nicer meal plan than the much more austere way the conclave had proceeded in the past. That being said, he wasn't spending all his money on decorations and clothing. His charity was just as generous. And it was tested in particular about halfway through his papacy when the bubonic plague swept through Europe in 1348. The Black Death, as we know it today, killed 40 million people in Europe, and many others were driven to destitution. 
Half the population of Avignon died from the plague. Pope Clement first undertook the simple charitable act of burying the dead and bought a cemetery which just after one month contained 11,000 dead. Now the Pope didn't leave the town as many might have and he spent a lot of money on doctors for the sick and encouraged priests to visit the faithful. Now one of the consequences of the plague was that the blame was given to the Jews by the people throughout Europe. Clement also responded to this. He wrote to the whole church that anyone who attacked Jews would be immediately excommunicated. Now another consequence was the rise of what were called flagellants, groups of people who were trying to appease what they saw as divine wrath by beating themselves violently. Clement also condemned wholeheartedly this movement and he directed them to be imprisoned by civil authorities. Clement was a gifted preacher and diplomat. He helped broker ceasefires in the Hundred Years' War, and he finally ended the conflict with Louis the Bar Bavarian, who was Holy Roman Emperor. Now, if you remember from past episodes, Louis had gone so far as to set up an anti-pope against Pope John XXII. Benedict had been more conciliatory, but Clement, who was really on the side of the French monarchy in this conflict, again demanded that Louis resign as Holy Roman Emperor to pay for his crimes against the church. And then Louis suddenly died while hunting bears in October of 1347. So Clement, at all this time, had been supporting Louis's rival, Charles IV of Luxembourg. So when Louis died, the way was cleared for Charles's candidacy to the Holy Roman Empire. Now, the problem was Charles didn't want to be Holy Roman Emperor, just king in Germany. And the Pope, in fact, invited him to go to Rome to be crowned, but he didn't want to do it. The Pope's looser policy prompted some severe criticism and backlash. For one, it was whispered widely that Clement was not chaste, but was having affairs with various women. This may just be propaganda, but several sources, including St. Bridget of Sweden and the Italian poet Petrarch, mention this. For certain, there was a greater moral looseness amongst the various courtiers in Avignon. Now, the Italians in general were getting sick of the Avignon papacy. In 1343, they sent a delegation demanding that the Pope return to Rome. Clement didn't do it, of course, but we still have time to wait for that. But there was a real animosity growing, which will come to fruition soon enough. Meanwhile, with the Pope gone for so long, the papal states were less and less under their control. A Roman official, in fact one of those sent on the delegation to the Pope in 1343, who was named Cola di Rienzio, revolted against the Pope and sought to restore the Roman Empire and unify Italy. And while he had grand pretensions, nothing came of it. Cola was eventually excommunicated by the Pope, driven out of Rome, and then eventually handed over to become a prisoner in Avignon. The Pope suffered from kidney stones and in 1351 was diagnosed with a tumor. He died in December 6, 1352. He was buried in the Benedictine Abbey of La Chaise-Dieu, I did not pronounce that right, where he had been a monk, and he was succeeded by Pope Innocent VI, who we will talk about next time. Thanks for listening to Habemus Papam. You can check out the rest of the Catholic Bites podcast at catholicbitespodcast.com. Find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thank you, and God bless you.